Okay, man, we're three minutes early. We'll go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the day. Your good presence always with us. You never leave us or forsake us. And you keep your word every day. So we thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. And we just pray for your grace and your understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, um, we should finish Mormonism. Um, And I I got a suggestion from someone last week, um, which on the surface, it was a good suggestion. Um, Trying to, for me to try to gather together a real um, short kind of, you know, condensed version describing Mormon theology and so forth, not going into all the history, but Mormon theology, their, their doctrine of God and of Christ and so forth, and then um, our answer, you know, the biblical answer. Um, and it's a good idea, but I, I really don't know if it's doable. Um, because part of what you've got is I gave you um, the four major um, writings, books, that they consider infallible. I mean, they're, they're the gospel. They're scripture. But it doesn't end there. You've got um, Book of Mormon, of course, and they claim, you know, the Bible, the King James Version, where translated properly, which right there means even if you put side by side their doctrines with the Scripture, it's not translated correctly if it disputes what they say. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Um... Then, of course, they have the Doctrine, of great, or doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. Those are the four official. But then you have, since the 1840s, you have all of the writings and the commentary and the opinions and the revelations from all of the leaders, all of whom are considered prophets and receive infallible truth from God for the Mormons. Well, that comprises, I don't know how many, different publications and stuff. Um, And so it's very hard to gather all that up. Plus, I'm not being whatever here, it's patently insane. So how do you arrange something that is nuts? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, there's a real short thing to think about. That the Dead Sea Scrolls is a huge deal, but um, I'm happy to tell you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd be glad to, yeah. Um, whenever we can do that, let's, we'll do it. Well, then, I'll tell you what. Let me, I don't know if we've got enough material, you know, we've got mainly eschatology left to talk about. Um, but it is, um, Mormonism is, is, it's hard to, it's hard to encapsulate. It's hard to get it down because it's so, completely nuts um, and contradictory all over the place. So, anyway. Um, which brings up an issue that we might discuss towards the end. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not asking for an answer right now, but maybe a question we can look at is, unless it's a very clear opportunity um, does it do any good to talk to a Mormon? And I'm not being facetious. Um, let's see here. I think what I did, I have got, I've got two editions of, the, of a book there that are 50 years apart, and I brought the wrong one. So um, let, me, let me duck back to my office real quick, and I'll get the one I underlined a whole bunch of stuff in to read to you.
we might look back at one or two doctrines, but primarily um, what we want to look at here um, tonight is end times or what happens when you die, heaven, hell, all that. Um, <clears throat> first of all, they ultimately, ultimately believe in what's called uh, universalism. Universalism is that, that eventually every person who's ever lived, no matter how bad they are and so forth, will finally work their way into heaven. Okay? Then they contradict themselves. They do talk about some people that are in sort of a torment position, which would equate hell. But you, you can get out of there, as they say, everyone in his own time and way. Okay, so when the smoke all clears, they're still universalists, that everyone will be um, saved. Of course, their definition of saved is um, nuts. Okay, um, <clears throat> now, they use the phrase, in, in everyone in their own order will, will finally be saved. Um, part of that is through your own personal baptism. But of course, as I mentioned, I could be baptized for unknown people um, and I will secure their resurrection into heaven. And so, um, you know, depending on your, your uh, financial position whether, or whether you're retired, those of you here that are retired and are no longer contributing to society, you know what I mean? Um, I have to keep working just to pay for you guys to retire. Um, but you could be mounting to something. As a Mormon, you could be amounting to something. You can spend lots of hours, uh, maybe schedule it out, getting baptized for whole lists of people. And so you're saving people, okay? Um, Everyone, their, their view of being saved is resurrection. Um, there's not a resurrection, as Jesus said, a resurrection of the wicked to eternal punishment. They will be participants of the resurrection, the great resurrection also. And, of course, those who love God will be resurrected to heaven. Okay? Um, but they just look at resurrection itself as the uh, um, content of being saved. Okay? Now, um, there are three different heavens. Okay? One is the tel, telestial Okay, now, that isn't even a word. If you try to look it up in the dictionary, which I did, it doesn't exist. I mean, it's just made up. That's typical of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. They just made stuff up. Uh, they're yarn spinners. Anyway, the telestial um, <clears throat> is the bottom rung. Um, then there is a terrestrial, which is a real word, um, 
But it doesn't make any sense because the word terrestrial means earth. Um, there, I, what hymn is it? There's an old hymn um, that talks about um, something about on this terrestrial ball. Okay, what is the name? Anybody familiar with that? Don't think so. But anyway, um, that's, that's not a heaven. It, it, it's earth. Okay. Then the, <clears throat> that is the next rung up. Then the top rung is celestial. Okay. The celestial, so you go, when you, when you die, you go to one of those three heavens. Okay. Now, <clears throat> You want to know who's in each of these three, okay? The telestial is all, all heathen, okay? People who either never heard the gospel or, you know, whatever. Um, but they were heathen who rejected both the gospel and the LDS message, okay? So there would be a bit of a nod to the Bible and the gospel presented in the scripture. Um, so these are people who never bought the gospel, never bought the message of Jesus Christ, nor did they buy the uh, renewed, reorganized, you know, um, LDS church, which replaced the previous but corrupted church, okay? Um, then the terrestrial are Christians, us, those of us, and I really appreciate them, you know, including us. Um, we, we are, um, going to go to the second rung heaven because we at least, um, accepted the message of Jesus, though we rejected the message of the LDS, that they are the true church now, and all the creeds of the Christian you know, um, religion are, quote, an abomination to God. Okay? Um, <clears throat> but we'll be in this terrestrial, which also will include... Um, honorable heathen still who didn't necessarily accept scripture but they lived good uh, what we would call um, moral lives they shoveled the snow off the old lady's driveway next door you understand what I mean um, and so <clears throat> they they will make it to this terrestrial where we will be then the celestial is only for Mormons, but not even all the Mormons. There are going to be some Mormons in the terrestrial with us. Okay? Now, I think we're beneath them. But ones who weren't, uh, didn't have their marriage sealed in the temple will be in the terrestrial. Those who had their marriage um, whatever the, the word is, you know, celebrated, uh, took place in 
it used to be the temple, Salt Lake, but now it's any of the temples that they have. Okay? If you have your marriage certified there, then you're sealed forever, and you will live in heaven with your celestial wives, wife, wife slash wives. Okay? If you've had them certified. And you will spend eternity in this celestial with all of the other gods. Okay? Working your own way up to being a god. Okay? Do you see why it's so hard to summarize? This is insane. Yeah. Well, I think that um, marriage and things of that sort will continue to take place in the celestial heaven because one of the act. Remember, this was this this was mostly um, concocted by um, pedophiles. Okay, and so the idea the idea of um, continual reproduction is forever. It, it happened pre-existence, pre-existence on earth. And those people, those pre-existent spirits that are born of parents and polygamous wives in heaven, or out in, I don't know, someplace, um, then they come into the earth as long as they've got a body to come into. And that has to be produced. You know, there has to be a system here producing as many physical bodies as there are producing spirit, spirits in heaven. Or the people in heaven have, or out in outer space have no place to inhabit. Okay? But when you go back to, when you're, uh, you die and you're resurrected, you and your whole family and as many wives as you did have are all sealed if you were sealed in the temple and they go back into heaven. Now, if you're in the celestial, um, you get to run a planet with your whole family and you continue to have children. Okay? So, I mean, there's no time when you're not having children and that is, you know, a huge deal to them. So, I, the, only, the only thing I can say is I don't know what happens, except I believe, likely, that children who are born in heaven, they grow up, they get married to whom, how, how many ever wives, and they have kids, and it just goes, goes on forever. That's the best answer I can give you. Are you thinking about being a Mormon? Or <laughs> Maybe we should talk afterwards. Um, yeah, and here's something else. There are three degrees, levels, that's a different word, uh, in the celestial heaven. Okay? So you got three heavens, and then in the top one, you got three degrees. Now, I'm not going to help you very much here because I, I looked everywhere I could possibly think, even in. Uh, you know, Mormon people that wrote of, of the Mormon religion and knew, knew what they were talking about. Um, 
The only level I could find described is that top level of the sealed celestial marriage um, where they, they rule a planet with their family. That's, I don't know what the next two uh, you know, lower levels are in the, in the celestial heaven. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they are called, by the way, um, that top level of the um, celestial heaven, they're called temple saints, okay? Because they have been baptized, their marriages have been certified and everything in the temple. Um, now, let's see. Um, Really, um, you know, there's, there's more small details um, here, but um, that's basically how things will occur. And they, they have a notion of a second coming of Christ, okay? But again, the Jesus that they're talking about, um, you know, I don't know who sends him here. And, and then, then the other thing we got to remember, that it, it, unless Jesus really is in charge like every Mormon husband is supposed to be, since Jesus is married to both Mary, Martha, and Mary, or, and M Mary Magdalene, uh, maybe he's got to placate them before he can be gone that long to come down to the earth for the second coming. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, Jesus, I don't know how many kids Jesus has either, but um, he's married, he has three celestial wives. Um, and, and he does have children, but I've never seen any place or found any place that specified, you know, how many um, children he had, Okay. Now, somebody raised their hand somewhere, and I didn't get to, was it you? Yeah. Did, did the Mormons, the Book of Mormon, does, does that have any correlation to the Bible at all? Or is it all just made up? Oh, the, well, I'm yes and no. Yes and no. Based, uh, correlation to the Bible. Well, technically, no, but yes, exactly. There's, there's at least a minimum of 25 thousand verses directly from the King James Bible that are in the um, Book of Mormon. They plagiarized? Yeah. There's also, and, and I can't really understand all this, so, but I don't even know if I ought to bring it up, but there, maybe I mentioned it last week, there's some guy named Spaulding, and he wrote a romantic novel about how the Hebrews got over here because he was either a British Israelite, a British Israelism, Anglo-Israelism, which um, they're not Mormons, but they do share in common this notion that the natives of America are really Semites, which is also um, just utterly false. Um, but at any rate, there's a, there, there was very early on, right when Joseph Smith first published the Book of Mormon, that there was great plagiarism from this book 
that this guy Spalding had written like four or five years before the Book of Mormon was published. And there's, um, have you, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of, uh, some of the cities are actually streets in New York. Yes. <laughs> And I read to you guys not everything that showed up in court and affidavits that all of his neighbors signed, 62 of his neighbors signed, that he, was, he and, his, and his dad and the whole family were just utter ne'er-do-wells, okay? But <clears throat> there's other further stuff that they said. And one, one thing they pointed out uh, people who knew them well said there was no one anywhere that could spend two, three, four hours in a shot making up stories and uh, than Joseph Smith. He would just hold people spellbound with you know, just crazy, you know, stuff. Um, and so it's not, to me, remotely surprising that he could come up with 600 pages in the Book of Mormon and make stuff up because he seemed to have a peculiar knack for that. Okay, um, <clears throat> So every single thing that he wrote was in one way or the other up against Scripture, or even up against the claims he made of much of these books that he tr supposedly translated, these golden tablets, uh, being, quote, ref uh, reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics, which there is no such thing. Um, they got a guy from Yale. No, no, no. I think it was, you know, it was Columbia. He, they got an Egyptologist um, from Columbia University, a doctor, I don't know, Anson or whatever it was. But anyway, he looked over it and he, he said, it's just, it's literally just scratchings. It's just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And he says this whole thing that this is actually about, you know, this is the lost book of Abraham. Yeah, yeah. And, and it turns out it's just... It's and he, didn't he try to sell it? Or, or, I mean, he presented it as, um, and it's in whichever... He found it. His mom actually had it. Yeah, yeah. Because he was yeah. so embarrassed by this. Yeah. Because after, after the Rosetta Stone came out, an Egyptian was finally able to be translated. It was right around the time he lived when he wrote this crap. Yeah. Yeah. Regular stuff. Except it was written by Abraham when he was in Egypt, correct? I, saw, I, saw I believe it was. Context. Yeah. When he was down there. Yeah. It was when he was. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's, it's, it's 
one of the most embarrassing parts of the church. Yeah. That's still in their documents. I lost the paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, <clears throat> to me, probably, the biggest question is, um, how could you be a part of something like this? Though I think we could answer our own question with the fact that many, I don't think the average run-of-the-mill person knows what they're supposed to believe. I don't know. By the way, this is something I forgot last week. Mark Twain. <clears throat> Mark Twain described the Book of Mormon. He tried to read it. Um, he described it as chloroform in writing. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a good statement. Um, <clears throat> but I think the vast majority don't know what that they believe these things. Um, but even the ones, but, but the ones who do, there have been a fair number, I couldn't give you numbers, probably, you know, it's not hundreds, um, but there have been a number of archaeologists, Mormon archaeologists, Mormon historians, um, literary people and so forth, who have ended up being pushed out because of either statements they've made, articles they've written um, that debunked all of this and brought out this kind of stuff. You, you're gone. Um, I don't know that they, you know, bury them... <laughs> if they have concrete shoes or not, but they're gone. Um, they do not allow them around, and they have a, um, I mean, they've got a hold on anything in their archives that would ever um, contradict what they publish and what they say, uh, and it simply doesn't get out. Um, it's a tight-run outfit. Yeah. So how come you said that it's the fastest growing religion? Do they not teach all this to these people? I mean, it sounds so absurd. How do they get all these people? Well, the first thing I'd say is, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a mystery to me, except um, I really believe and you know I'm not I am not somebody that there's a demon under every single bush and you know there's um, whatever but we ought to blame likely more on the devil than we tend to do and I think we discussed maybe a couple of Wednesdays ago I think you were talking or no somebody anyway uh, anyway there is, in my opinion, I think all of the cults are ultimately satanic twistings of scripture and truth and so forth. However, there is a peculiar um, captivity of the mind and the heart of sold out Mormons that it just seems impossible to chisel their heads open to hear anything, which kind of comes back to what I said earlier. Is there any point in talking to them? Um, 
or no, I, would, I shouldn't say talking to them, um, debating with them. Um, because it doesn't matter how much you, we have to remember this. It's, it's kind of like debating with a Democrat. <laughs> I'm not shouldn't get into politics, but um, but honestly, I am a Christian. I accept the Bible. I don't accept anything else. Okay, I really, I can say I can I can show Scripture and quote Scripture. It means nothing to people that don't accept it as the Word of God. So frankly, um, you almost have to rely on you know, showing internal co um, contradictions and so forth, and philosophical, rational, logical arguments, um, rather than quoting the scripture. Because um, anybody who says, the, here's the thing, you gotta face it, the history of the Mormons, they don't care if they misquote the scripture or reject it outright. How do you come up with the idea that Jesus and the devil are brothers, you know, and Jesus was born by physical sexual relations between Adam, who used to be Adam, but he got worked his way up to being God, then came down to the earth and had sexual relations with Mary. How do you talk to somebody like that? Well, the Bible says, well, it's not correctly translated. The prophet said, I think probably it may... Well, I'm probably too hard nosed, but it might be the it might be the biggest waste of time that we could come up with on this earth. But anyway, yeah. Um, I think there's such a hunger in man for connection with God that many are pulled into the easy path, and I think it's they see what what most people. I think if you didn't, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> if you didn't hear, I agree. God put in every human heart. He put what we could call a homing device. It's prevenient grace that God put in everyone's heart, a hunger for something. It might, it might be dim, but they have a conscience. They have a, an innate sense. Again, it may be kind of dim. Um, but nevertheless, it's a sense of right and wrong. Um, God put all of that. And the devil, of course, knows that. And so he is, has been a master from the Garden of Eden in concocting um, false inducements and um, seductive temptations aimed at that Godward pull. But if he can substitute it, with, substitute it for one thing, if he can substitute it with something that does not make the person fall to their knees and say, I'm a sinner. The wrath of God abideth on me. If we can avoid that, then 
he's got a pretty attractive thing to draw. And you're also right. In the context of the devil isn't stupid. He knows the culture and the background and the history religiously of whatever person he's trying to get to. Okay? So, in the general sense, there are exceptions obviously, but in the general sense, here in our culture with a, with a you know, especially or Europe, thousands of years history in Western civilization of Christianity. Okay? Um, you go to places in the world that don't have that, and they don't have even a longing for family values, you know, um, settled, non-chaotic stuff. Um, you can go to some places, and you have the false doctrines of the gods that were Greek and Roman, whoever. They're all promiscuous. You have, a, like Corinth, you have a thousand temple prostitutes. Well, it is a just a godless society to start with. So the devil can sell a doctrine like that and a, and a worship like that. And boy, I mean, you talk about attendance. Nobody missed church in those places, okay? Yeah, well, hang on just a second. But he tailors something here that is closer. It's still a counterfeit. And we have to remember, too, the best counterfeit is always the closest to the real thing. And that's the best way we are duped. Yeah. So then, if the five most convincing Mormons in Utah came to you and sat in visit with you for eight hours, how close would they come to convincing you that the Book of Mormon is accurate? <laughs> well... Yeah. The only thing, though, that we can never, um, you know, fail to re to remember is the Holy Spirit is faithful, and He is one of the things that He sent into the world to do. Jesus. Jesus gave us in John 14 through 16 the, if you want to call it, the job description of the Holy Spirit. The, it's, it's the role that he plays. And one of them is to lead you into all truth and to convince us of sin, righteousness, and judgment because the prince of this world is judged and so forth. So the Holy Spirit... Um, is faithful to give people who are following a false religion a sense of um, uneasiness, of uncertainty, and I believe they have to consciously resist that until they, quote, get over it before they can get established in whatever it is they believe that's, that's false. So, uh, and, and we have to say that, we have to remember this too, Paul made it clear in Romans 
that there is enough of the voice of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of God in the world to those, he said, who don't have the Bible, don't have the law, don't have any of it. He said, there's still so much evidence and tugging at their hearts and prevenient grace enlightening. He said that they are without excuse. If they never set foot in a church and never own a Bible, he said they're without excuse. There's enough of God around. So, um, you, you, there has to be um, intentional rejection, I believe, because the Holy Spirit is faithful. He just is. Um, now, I don't want this to get me into trouble. I hope I don't get in trouble. <clears throat> um, you have to love me to get to heaven, so, you know. Much, 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 much closer to home, if you want to call it that, um, in Christian doctrine. <clears throat> I don't know if I should, I'll, I'll go ahead and get out on a limb and give you his name. A lot of people know him. Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley was raised in, I think he was raised Assembly of God, I'm not sure. But he was, he was in a non-eternal security he didn't believe it at all, as his entire childhood and up to adulthood. I've read, I've read a book he printed, I don't even remember the title of it, but of, quote, how he came to realize that he was eternally saved, no matter what he did, he was still saved. You know, you're, once saved, always saved, Okay. And he admits in that. I don't know if he knew exactly all he was admitting. But he talks about how hard it was for him to get over the teaching that if you didn't continue in faith and obedience and trust in God, you would lose not, you know, we people say, well, you lose my salvation because I lost my car keys. No. I walked away from faith, and faith is how I'm saved. And if I turn my back and I do not believe in God, I don't trust Him, I sever the relationship with Him, and I, if I don't repent of it, I'm lost. Okay? That's what He was raised in. And He admitted how hard it was for Him to get over that idea and finally come to the place where He really believed what's called eternal salvation or finished salvation, which is your past, present, future sins are forgiven the moment you get saved, which brings up an odd kind of a little question. Why do you ask God to forgive you every night for your sins if they've already been forgiven 15 years ago when you got saved? And the next 80 years is already forgiven. <laughs> Don't get me off on the Calvinism. Um, but, I believe he was battling against not only plain scripture, but the um, promptings, the conviction, the, the checks of the Holy Spirit. Don't believe that. And if you, and I will get off of this eventually, um, 
the doctrine that sin will not separate you from God, will not separate a child of God from God, is first presented, promoted, and unfortunately believed in Genesis 3. The devil's doctrine to Adam and Eve was, God said, you disobey me, you'll die. In the day you eat of that tree, he said, you'll die. Dying, you'll die. Meaning spiritually, I'll sever myself from God. Now, it wasn't hopeless because he provided an offering and they could get back to him. But their deed of disobedience severed them from God. So, the, frankly, the doctrine, once you're saved, you're always saved, no matter what you do, is introduced by the devil in the Garden of Eden. So I think of that doctrine. Okay? Can't stand it. <clears throat> um, but at any rate, I, f I believe that that book, w it was sort of sad to me too. I thought, you know, I don't know where he ended up. I, it's not my business. And I know that God can, God looks at people's hearts even if their heads are as empty as can be. Um, <clears throat> nevertheless, an open admission of how hard it was to go to believe a, what I am certain is a lie. Um, that exercise to some degree has to go on with every human being that ends up convinced of a lie. You gotta buck God to get there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but that does bring up, yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. Still love my children, yeah. My grandchildren, and we have to pray for them. Here's, and, and nobody here knows your daughter. I would get, and I'm grateful that none of us, including me, are the final arbiters on where people go. But what, what's her name again? Kim. Yeah, Kim. If I had to preach Kim's funeral, um, I'd say that in spite of being in her head a Mormon, she'd probably make it to heaven. She has that kind of spirit, that kind of interest. When she has been here, she will, she'll take notes on everything I say. She'll come up to me afterwards. She'll ask me a few questions and she'll tell me, oh, boy, I took notes, I learned, you know. Um, so there is, there is a, a, a condition that we can't factor out. Um, which makes me glad that, you know, God's got to figure it all out. <clears throat> yeah. And off of what he was saying, uh, it, it actually, if, if the man doesn't say the woman's name 
Yeah. Yeah. It's leverage, yeah. If you didn't hear that, yeah. The, if the husband doesn't declare his wife's name after she dies, they're no longer married and she doesn't go to heaven and the celestial marriage, or what, even if they sealed it, is disbanded or whatever term you want to use. Um, pardon me? <laughs> then she's home free. Um, um I'll tell you what, though. The Mormons have got some fairly good ideas. Um, this, this keeping the women, you know. <clears throat> uh, well, let's see. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's their job is to have more and more, and, and they're raised in that, and yet they're brainwashing it, which is why it's so hard. I do believe, too, I do believe that, again, the Holy Spirit never is silent. And um, he knows how, even if it's been hard-boiled, you know, dyed in the wool into somebody, he knows when life throws them curves where you really need God and you've got to have answers and you've got to know, you've got to have certainty. He knows how to um, disabuse people of even deeply held ideas. Um, he's just good at that. Or, of course, there would be no conversions um, of some of the hardest people that we know they come to God. You look at some really bad people, uh, Hollywood types or whoever, that are, you think, my land, they're just reprobates. God gets to them. Um, so, I, you know, we have to qualify, um, you know, some of, the, some of our thoughts and comments about the value of trying to talk to him. Um, I do think that, <clears throat> well, I think the only way we ought to spend much time trying to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, so forth, um, is that the Holy Spirit very clearly, and we sense it, he very clearly opens the door uh, for somebody who is maybe internally, un we're unaware of it, but they're doubting. They're questioning. He knows how to bring us across their path. And um, he can enable us and open a door in their heart. Um, but I think, <clears throat> I think the, and here's again, I don't want to get in trouble. And I, and, and I, even though I can be, you know, opinionated, there's, there's always exceptions. Um, I don't think it does much good with the canvassers, the people that are going door to door, who just, m most of the time, they want to give you some literature, they, you know, whatever, and move on. To invite them in and then end up, whether it gets heated or not, it's not the issue, uh, even a non-heated debate, 
I don't know if that does a whole lot of good. Um, it's got to be more... I went to school with a kid through junior high, well, on into high school. Uh, he was probably my best friend. Um, and, you know, his parents would have never, they never let him come with me to our youth group or a snow trip or a nothing, you know. But <clears throat> at any rate, um, in that setting, there were opportunities to talk to him. Um, and we get thrown into those kind of situations um, at work or wherever we work with people. In those cases, I think God, he usually, you know, takes his time and knows what he's doing, but it opens doors. Like Peter said, be ready to give an answer to those who ask you, why do you have the faith you have? Um, God has to plan all that, and then he, he pulls the trigger. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, I know people who almost, they, it's a sport to them. They're glad if the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses ring the doorbell because they invite them in and go, well, you know, we're going to duke it out here. You're not going to do any good doing that. Um, I don't think. So, anyway, other, yeah. 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 And I, when we talk on the phone, which was, would have ordinarily been a 10 or 15 minute talk, we get on to the subject of religion. And like you said, if you, we had her here for a while, she would be something. Yeah, and she, she has every sign of a hungry, humble, um, searching heart. And God knows that. Oh, I know, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. She doesn't have an opinion, and, you know, or if she does, better not voice it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a, not a good deal. So it's just something that we can change, we can fight, but it's going to be by prayer. Yeah. And by sharing. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, I was uh, some of the stuff that I underlined I don't know <clears throat> one thing I was going to tell you that I don't remember if I touched on with uh, their doctrine of sin and atonement and forgiveness of sins the blood of Jesus can forgive some sins but not the really bad ones Okay. Now, and a long, fairly long quote from Brigham Young, which is considered scripture to them, states that if <clears throat> um, well, a typical, typical Brigham Young or Joseph Smith, whatever, the illustration he uses of a bad sin is, and I'll try to um, in, translate it, but typically, what's the subject? 
sex. I mean, they, they were... Anyway, the whole illustration is, if I came in on a certain person, some man with my wife, and I shot him, okay, then <clears throat> he said, basically, that's an unforgivable sin. Jesus, uh, as far as Jesus won't cover that. That kind of sin of murder or whatever, even though they say, literally, murderers are in that lowest heaven, so it's full of contradictions. But um, if I shot this guy, that is a sin that the blood of Jesus doesn't forgive. The only thing that will forgive that is to shed the blood of the criminal, of the one who committed the crime. And then he goes on to say, in the most bizarre thing, we are to care for our brothers and sisters. So he says, I'm not making this up, he says, it may be our duty to help our brother by spilling his blood so he'll obtain forgiveness. Um, and he says, if it takes the spilling of, an, of another person's uh, blood to forgive them, they, they really, they die for their own sins, but that forgives them. He says, then I say, spill it. Do you know what? In one of the books, one of the books I've got brought that up, that in Utah, um, they will, they will um, what, ask for, they'll give them a choice, I guess, hanging or whatever, but they will give them the choice of firing squad, and that is exactly a Mormon doctrine. Right. Um, it's a wacky, <laughs> it's a wacky deal. Um, so anyway, questions. <laughs> this is because we're done with Mormon. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is Scientology an offshoot of Mormonism? No, but I'm going to, I thought that was one of the cults I would touch on, is Scientology. It's about as bizarre, I think. Um, but, you know, they're, they're a, of course, it's an elitist kind of belief. Um, but, doctor. yeah, yeah. It's, you know, Tom Cruise and whoever. Um, but I, we'll get to that, I think. Um, what I probably will do next, we'll look at next. I don't know if, well, I want to look at uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, they're nothing but ancient, what, they're ancient Aryans. The Aryan, Arianism was a very early um, um, false do, uh, heresy um, that says Jesus is not God, but he is the first and highest of God's creation. Um, he's above us, but he's not God. He's the highest creator. So he, or creation. 
Um, and, and that's precisely what Jehovah's Witness believe about Jesus. Of course, they deny the Trinity, as do you know the Mormons uh, completely deny the Trinity. Uh, I want to look at that, but maybe let me ask you this. Do you want to look at, it'd probably only take one night. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'm sure it would. Do you want to look at Christian science or not? They may even care about Christian science. It's, Christian science has kind of fallen by the wayside. <laughs> but um, you guys remember, um, how, many of you, how many of you remember Jonathan Winters, the comedian? Well, I love watching old YouTube visits. <laughs> uh, that guy was insane. But he would talk, I saw one where he, he talked about s to save money, he was flying in, you know, the plane, and um, <clears throat> his wife was in cargo. <laughs> and he said, you know, I gave her, you know, I left her, I got her in cargo. He says, I gave her, a, you know, a heavier sweater, and he said, I, I, I fixed a liverwurst sandwich for her um, because she wasn't up in the cabin where she could eat. And he said, then he, he was talking to Dean Martin. And he says, of course, she's a, she's a Christian scientist, so it doesn't matter if she's cold or not, you know, whatever. Um, how many people back then got that joke, I don't know. Um, but it, that is, that, that's a cult that has faded quite a bit. Um, and, you know, of course, you have the Christian Science Monitor is a, um, you know, a media, whatever. But I can remember growing up, most every uh, town of decent size would have a, um, usually they bought, they hardly ever built their own buildings. They would buy a closed down church, turn it into Christian Science Church, and then they had maybe as a part of that, the Christian Science Reading Room. I don't know if you remember those, but you'd go, I never went into one, but um, they'd have their books and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so we, we might look at that one, but it's sort of a um, passe. Maybe yeah. It'd be interesting to compare that, their doctrine, how it's faded, to see the future of some of these other cults. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cults that are around that have pretty much died out. But um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. We do have we do have five. So so. Um, Yeah. I could tell I shook him up, and I think maybe it might have helped. But the problem is that they come with an elder who yes. has experience, and they had come with a guy who really knew. And so that's to protect, because they get two new guys, and yeah. I just keep rolling my over them, and they've had a hard time. But what's nice is that it, it helps you later on with the average Joe Mormon, whereas the people that are willing to go door to door.
clashes with what's going on all day long. The Bible says Jesus has, is the Word, and the Word with God, and the Word was God. They don't like that. Uh, they say he was a God. He wasn't the God. Which is, which, by the way, is the same thing as the New World Translation, the, the Jehovah's, Wit Jehovah's Witnesses. They say on John 1, <clears throat> in the beginning, you know, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it literally, if you just, it literally is God was the Word. But they say, and God, and the Word was a small g, God. Now they have the, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses for 100 and how many ever years they've been around. Um, they've been asked five million times to release the list of Greek scholars and Hebrew scholars that translated the world, the New World Translation, which has never, ever released the list. They just say they, they were, you know, just great. They relied on semantics. Great, they were great scholars that translated, but they don't, they never give their names. So, one thing about God, He's as transparent as you can get. You know, he's hide, He hides nothing. Um, <clears throat> and we'll quit with this um, thought. You remember when um, <clears throat> Jesus was coming in on the uh, triumph, triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, and the Pharisees said, tell these children, you know, these people, to be quiet. Because <clears throat> they were crying out, Hosanna, and so forth. And Jesus just said to them, if, if we quiet them, if they are quieted, he said, the very rocks will cry out. Well, I'm convinced that's archaeology. The rocks cry out. Y they find, you know, um, God just sits around, it seems like, and doesn't get in a hurry. And I remember when I was in seminary, there was, it was fairly recent, um, but <clears throat> Hezekiah paid ransom, or paid taxes, tribute money, extortion, to Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And it says, I can't remember what the number, but I think Isaiah, or, or yeah, Isaiah reported that Hezekiah paid 300 shekels of silver, okay? Well, they found clay tablets in Nineveh of where the capital of Assyria was, and it had a different number that Sennacherib levied on Israel. Now, the fact that they levied anything proved an awful lot, because the scripture reported it. But the liberal people grabbed hold of the fact that the Bible, of course, it, it wasn't their clay tablets of, of Assyria that were wrong. It had to be the Bible. And so the Bible was wrong, and it was, you know, fake history um, because it had did a totally different number than that, I, that uh, Hezekiah paid than the library of clay tablets of Sennacherib. I don't know how long it was, but it was years. It just seems like, oh, God, he just sat there in heaven, didn't correct it, you know. But in going through all that stuff in Nineveh, they came on kind of a financial Rosetta Stone. You know what the Rosetta Stone is. It, it, it translated 
you know, different languages, but they came across where the Israelite coin exchange was 300, silver, whatever. Sennacherib's was something else, but it was exactly what Isaiah said Hezekiah paid. It was the reason the numbers were different in the clay tablets in the scripture is because of a coin exchange rate. But God was proven right. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> the longer we go, actually, it's quiet, but we just pile up more and more bit-by-bit evidence. There are 25,000 complete or partial, mostly partial, um, manuscripts of the New Testament. And the longer we go, they just keep finding stuff. And it just like the Dead Sea Scrolls, it just, it backed up, certified, you know, um, authenticated what the scripture says. Anyway, we're supposed to get out of here at 8.10 and it's 8.10. So, <clears throat> Father in heaven, we do thank you that we've got the word of God and you've preserved it all down through the ages that we can open it today and read it, and it is the truth. And our hearts and the Holy Spirit bear witness to it. We thank you then for what you've provided for us so that we can say and agree with Peter. We've not followed cunningly devised myths or fables. We can know the truth, and we thank you. Keep us as we go, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.